many ways, we were all rivals, I guess, in a way, because we all wanted to be doing something that someone else was doing. We all wanted to be in a similar kind of place. But what ended up happening was we, we were all inspiring each other. You know, mm-hmm. it was just like then you did something and someone else was just like, man, that was like what you just did. Oh, that was <laughs> like and and what's bizarrely funny about that whole situation is that oftentimes it didn't feel like you were doing anything. Mm. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte, identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to Way of the Artist podcast. We are very happy to be here, (laughs) happy to be talking about some topics that we think are kind of interesting. Hopefully you think the same. Having a beer, (laughs) see what comes out. And today uh, we're talking about when the plan goes out the window. And this was something that was somewhat relevant for me over the last little bit. I've been uh, involved with this uh, theatrical production over the last number of months, and it's been up on stage, and it's been a fantastic experience. Um, And I've been acting for a long time. (laughs) I mean, I got involved in in acting when I was, I mean, I knew I wanted to be an actor when I was like nine or ten years old and started doing my first classes around the same time. And this part that I've been doing has challenged me in ways that I've never been challenged in any other sort of production or role that I've taken on. So this was something that I thought was very interesting because it's like, you know, sometimes we get into a position where no matter how much experience that we've had, sometimes our ways of dealing with things, our plans, our processes get a wrench thrown into them. And what the hell to do when that happens, right? And I guess in some ways, my experience has helped me in this whole thing because it's taught me to basically pay attention to when this stuff happens, not to panic when mm. this happens. So I don't, we'll, we'll get more into this, but I've been going off on the intro here. So Brandon, why don't you say something? <laughs> well, I mean, when you mentioned this as a, co- a topic of conversation, I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great plan, Evan. It sounds like a great <laughs> plan. Let's see if it goes to plan. Uh, no, but uh, I mean, as a filmmaker, I mean, man, like indie filmmaking, so much of it is just not going to plan. Like, you just expect it, right? Like, I think if anybody wants to be a filmmaker, that is, especially in the indie level, like when you're just starting out and, you know, you don't have the money and the resources and the connections, so much of it is just about being able to respond to what's going wrong or not going to plan, wrong in quotations, (laughs) and then responding to it and making something out of it. You know, there's a movie I did once where we had a cafe, Right. And it had a pretty important scene in it and did all the legwork, you know, secured the place, whatever. 
Then the owner of the cafe called us literally the night before filming and said, I changed my mind. I don't want you guys to use the cafe anymore. And we were like, okay, well, man, we're in trouble. But, you know, I, at this point, I had had a bit of experience with filmmaking. I knew things go wrong. I'm always prepared. And so there were cafes at UBC, which is where I went to school. And I found UBC to be a um, <clears throat> super film-friendly campus, right? Like, I could usually just go up to just about anybody and say, like, hey, do you mind if we film here? And they'd be cool with it. So it's always kind of a good default. But anyway, we ended up filming. Um, I went to this other cafe, and it was kind of just, you know, very guerrilla. And I said, do you mind if we sh film this scene out front of your cafe? And they're like, oh, yeah, go ahead. And there's this shot, and I've talked about it before, but there's this shot of the female actress in the, you know, and... Yeah. The sun is going down over the mountains just behind her. We got that perfect orange glow coming through. I have this like long lens on her. So it's like she's really in focus and everything is out of focus behind her. But it's just these beautiful like angelic colors. Yeah. And you just would have totally not had that opportunity had we had it go and go to plan. And so I guess what I would contribute to this immediately in the conversation is that sometimes when things go to plan, it's an opportunity for them to go better. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, they're not going to go as good as you want. But yeah. one, one thing that I've been learning and more and more just even in my life today is that whenever things don't go to plan is that I can look at it two ways. I can look at it as a setback or I can look at it as an opportunity. And I'm really being diligent about looking at these things as opportunities because yeah. just recently things have not gone to plan in a lot of areas, you know. So <laughs> I'm kind of like, OK, well, what's the opportunity? What's the growth thing that could come out of this. You know? Yeah. 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 And that's really what I've been learning myself or just maybe relearning, get, getting a better understanding of this just through my, my own experience. Because uh, like I was saying, look, with this, this role that I'm doing, it's the nature of, of the character is, is one where it's like it, you know, in, in acting, like, a, a lot of how I was trained and taught and stuff like that, it was it was taught in a lot of ways of, of there's a lot of kind of cut-and-dry mentalities. It's just like, no, this is kind of like, like, you come in and you have your objective, you have what you're doing, and you come in with this, like, heavy emotional life and blah, 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 blah. And uh, not that any of this stuff is not true, but I, I find myself playing a character who kind of lives in, in an almost personal limbo. <laughs> what do you mean? So it's a character who, it's not that they don't have a lot going on with them because there's, I've never really played a character who's had such a complex depth of things going on with them. But when it comes to the way that they, they go about things, it's kind of like everything is very close to the chest and everything is not quite what it seems. There's a, there's a multitude of things going on with them at the same time. So, you know, like one of the specific things that, you know, I was trained to as an actor is before you step out on stage, you know, a lot of actors can relate to this, you have what's called like your moment before, right? Where are you just coming from? What just happened to you? And what's the emotion that you're coming in with? Right, so I spent a lot of time training, working on, okay, before I come out, just building up so I have a really strong, full emotion going on 
before I step out. And with this character, it's the emotion that they're coming out with is, is really not so clear cut. You know, like they're like, it's a very, you know, like they're a very human kind of person. They don't often show what they're, what they're actually feeling. In fact, they rarely show what they're actually feeling. And it presented this really, because it's like a lot of stuff that I've worked on before. It's like, I know exactly what's going on at the start of this. She's like, okay, at the start of the scene, I know I need to get myself into an extreme state of agitation. Sure. You know, like to get myself ready for this. Or, or I have to be coming in from a place of like really deep sorrow or whatever it is. And there's usually a fairly clear indication of what that is. And with this, there's not really any clear indication of what they're coming in with mm. at, really at any time. There's maybe one scene in which it's pretty obvious. But the rest of it has provided this challenge because I'm like, geez, like this is throwing off my, my usual process of how I do this mm. because I love coming in with that full, rich, emotional thing happening because it gives me something to just just ride into the scene with, right? It helps me get out of my head. It helps me to just perform. And with this, like, it, it's this, it's been this challenge of second guessing myself was a lot of it. It's like, well, what, what am I coming in with? Can I come in with this strong of a thing? So it's, it's forced me to take a look at my own process, but also it's, it's put me into a place of of having to, as I said, pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention, and by that I mean pay attention to what is the need of the scene? What is the need of the character? Like getting back to almost, it's kind of like the law of simplicity, Mm -hmm. right? It's like come back to something really simple Mm -hmm. because it was getting very confusing for me right? Like I said, I was second guessing myself. And once that starts happening, you can start to panic a little bit and you can start to like, oh shit, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And being able to just say, okay, well, what is the thing? What do I know about this character? What do, and basically learn to just pay attention to what the needs are of what's going on. And with that, I've been able to start to find my way through and also discovered some areas where I was holding back, you know, some areas where I wasn't being as courageous as I could be. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been it, like you said, there's an opportunity. Yeah. When when the plan goes out, when the system fails, you know, however you want to put this, there's some kind of an opportunity. And it really only presents itself if you can remain kind of calm within it. Yes. (laughs) I think calmness is so important. You know, it's, it's interesting as you're talking, you're talking about an acting situation and I'm trying to pair it in my mind as I'm listening to you to, to life and how does this relate to life? And, you know, life is so much like this situation you're dealing with because, you know, there's so many times where we expect to walk into a situation and feel a certain way. You know, like I'm going to go to my audition and I'm going to be excited and it's going to be fun. And then all of a sudden the day comes and you're about to go to the audition and an anxiety 
thing hits or it's not or someone calls you or something happens and it just throws off the whole plan. Mm-hmm. And now now all of a sudden you're walking into this situation and you might have a lot of pressure on this audition or maybe you're even going to set. Who knows what it is? And, um, you know, and, and these can happen in, in that it's so important to remain calm and to, and to breathe and to, and to let this be okay, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Because I think the immediate thing that most people will experience is when things don't go to plan, the immediate response is, well, it's not okay. I'm not in control. Yeah. It's not okay. I'm out of control, you know? Um, and <laughs> I think the illusion really is, and this is, this is the kind of lesson I've been getting hit with over and over and over again, is that none of us are really in control. Yeah. We keep thinking we're in control. We like the illusion of being in control, but we're not in control in necessarily the way that we think we're in control. Like, and sometimes you could argue that we're not even in control of as much as we think we're in control of. We are kind of in control of ourselves, but we're not really in control of ourselves. We're only in control of our response to ourselves because Mm -hmm. our bodies and our minds are literally like they're, they're changing and evolving and they're doing things. So like you can have an emotion that comes up in your body that you didn't necessarily initiate, but that can happen and it can happen seemingly without an outside stimulus or the stimulus that got you that made you respond that way is just not in your conscious awareness. So you don't know why it hit you. So your only control is how you respond to that emotional reaction that you seem to be having in your body. Mm -hmm. So the amount of control we have is really quite limited but yeah. we want to try to control, you know, we want to kind of control our emotions. We want to control other people. We want to control situations. And those things, like the further you get out, the more you get out, like to a person, to people, to a situation, to an environment, yeah. the more you're going to lose your mind because you're not in control of that stuff. Yeah. You're only in control of your response to that stuff. Yeah. And you're in control of your attention. Yes really is is one of the things that and it's funny because I teach actors this the whole method that I, I work on with actors is this thing of attention and it breaks down our control mechanisms right and actually reveals how these control mechanisms actually are getting in the way of being great actors right you know, and it's so it's been kind of it, there's nothing like getting a bit of a taste of your own medicine sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's terrific. It's it's humbling and and it's a terrific learning experience. Like some of my favorite uh, philosophers and thinkers and stuff, I think of um, uh, Krishnamurti as well as Carl Jung, who talked about this, which is that. When we are so heavily um, identified and entrenched with our, um, our ideologies, our systems, our beliefs, what have you, the, f- the more strongly identified and, and attached to these things we are, the less able we are to actually live in the reality of what is. Mm-hmm. Because... We're not seeing things as they are. We're seeing things as we are, as the expression goes. We're seeing things as we project them out to be. So it's not to say that these systems and these tools are not 
are not useful because for the most part, all of my sort of my processes and acting have been very, for the most part, very functional and have served me very well, even within this production. But there are certain areas where it's just like, oh, this doesn't, there, this doesn't solve this problem. You know, this doesn't help me with this certain thing. I don't have a, like a button to push that just fixes this. Right. Right. Which is, I mean, that, that's kind of part of the wonderful thing because it takes us into an unknown territory. It takes right. us into a place that we're not familiar with. And that's the only place where, where we learn new things. And as one of my old teachers would say, it's like the unknown is also the only place where anything truly creative happens. Right. That was what I was just going to say, is that you could argue that all art is a risk. If it's mm-hmm. not a risk, it's not actually art. There's a yeah. saying... That if you know the result, it's not a risk. Yeah. And if you think about control, control is controlling for a result that you think you should get or you think that things should happen a certain way or be a certain way. And when you're in that state of trying to control that and trying to predict and trying to know, you're not in the creative state. You're not in the artist state. And, you know, I would say that actually the awareness I'm having as we're having this conversation is is, is I think what we're really trying to say is to ourselves and to others is like encourage yourself to go into a state of the unknown, to go into a state of being open to anything and being confident in yourself enough that you'll respond as necessary, appropriately, whatever is required of you in that moment when it happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing that is happening is right now. Yeah. And you can hear that a thousand times, a million times. And, and you still, probably have heard it a thousand times. <laughs> you still won't get it, right? Like hearing it is not enough. But if you, if, you look at, if you look at everything and you go, okay, well, whatever is right now is, this is it. And whatever you think might happen, you don't know for sure. And there's no way to control for that. You, you can have your best guess, but sometimes you'll be wrong. And you can look back in the past and say, well, this, this, and this happened this way before, so it should happen again. And lo and behold, it doesn't. So the past isn't really a great dictator of the future either. Yeah. So, you know, I think in a lot of ways, um, when things don't go to plan, abandoning the plan and being willing to replan and re-strategize is, is kind of what's necessary. Yeah. And sometimes like when, when the plan goes out the window, it's asking for you to come up with, a, yeah, like a, come up with a new plan. A better plan. A maybe. better plan. Yeah. Because it doesn't mean that there's, that there's no plan required, but it's just that whatever is right in front of you is something different. It's just, it's something unknown. Right. And whatever you've come in with is not, is not the thing. It's not the ticket for this it's one. It's not the tool. You know, okay, here's a good example. I, I think maybe this can help people kind of grasp this idea because <laughs> it took me a little bit of time to like wake up to it. But um, I went through this stage of not being motivated towards making money or earning or saving or just doing anything in that. And I was like, I want things. Like there's these things I want, but for some reason that doesn't get me jumping out of bed motivated to actually go and get them. Like mm-hmm. it was really strange. It was like this disconnect. Like I... And, and maybe other people can relate to this. It's like, you know what you want, but you don't have the motivation to go get it, but you want the motivation to get it, yet you don't know how to get the motivation to get it. Yeah. But it's like, why am I not motivated? I know what I want. You know what I mean? It's this kind of weird kind of trap you almost feel like you're in. And 
so, you know, I kind of had my heart to heart myself and my talk with the universe, if you want to call it that. Right. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay, look, I need to, I, I need to get connected to my dreams and goals here because I have dreams and goals, but I'm not the person who's going to go live them right now. Like mm-hmm. for some reason, I don't know what's wrong, but this is what's going on. And I really believe either my higher self or the universe or something, you know, nature just responded and it said, okay, fine. You want this? This is what's going to happen. Um, you want to learn how to swim? We're going to kick you into the deep end. You're just going to have to go. You're going to, we're going to throw you off the boat yeah. and you're going to have to learn how to swim. And so what I started to realize was that when you ask for what you want, you'll often get a lot of pain back. Because pain is actually the motivator. You know, they say that we are motivated for pleasure, but we're motivated like, you know, three times, ten times more for pain. And what I found was that once I started experiencing some pain, I'll tell you, man, I got super motivated about making money and changing my situation. Mm -hmm. But when it was just for pleasure, it wasn't enough to get me going. And so sometimes I think when the things don't go to plan, actually what it does is it creates pain. And pain motivates you more than pleasure does. Sometimes the the motivation you need to think outside the box to do something differently to just get off your ass and get out of a situation and by yeah. change by the pain causing you to change creates a different perspective a different point of view and then ergo you have different actions different behaviors and all of a sudden boom you're in momentum yeah right and i would say that that's like the most important thing that you can get from that is it's a change in your point of view right a lot of times it's like you know pain is it's not about um, like, because the, ultimately the whole sort of being motivated by, by pain and pleasure, like they're, they're actually, I mean, if you look at what a lot of, uh, great thinkers and philosophers have said about this, it's, they're, they're the same thing, right? You know, when you are driven by pain and pleasure, it's, you're ultimately like this is the buddhist concept essentially of suffering like you're caught in this cycle of you know going for because the thing is is like when you're going for pleasure it automatically attracts pain right because you begin your your focus is now on that thing that you don't have you know it's always just like i want this but i don't have this right right and you're constantly in that cycle because then you have it and then it doesn't really deliver any lasting thing. So then there's another thing you have to get and there's another thing. And so it's just this endless thing of, I don't have, I don't have. So it, it just continually creates a sense of lack in your life. Right. Um, that was a bit of a, a bit of a side tangent, but what I was really meaning to say is that like what that pain, the best thing that it can teach you is, is about breaking some of those cycles, right? Is about breaking some of how you've thought about things, how you've gone about things and saying like, oh, wow, what do I actually really want? It can bring you right down to your, to your blood and bones. Yeah. You know, like when you, when you hit a point of pain and, and in that way, it can be a gift. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to go seeking out pain. I don't necessarily agree with that, but when pain arises, it's worth getting kind of curious about. And we actually just had a podcast release re- recently about curiosity. And I mean, that's that's a really great, I think, complimentary talk to this one as well, because curiosity is a great way to approach things when things don't go to plan. Right. It's like, oh, OK, so 
what might be some solutions to this? What might I be overlooking? And with that, be, like because we're also talking about the unknown here as well, and also I think the law of play comes into this one. Like anytime like unknown comes up, play has to come in there because play is a terrific way to navigate that unknown space. Right. It's like our very often our instinct of of I don't know what this is is to again panic to kind of clam up and 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 to freak out and that just shuts us down to a large extent. But then to approach it with curiosity instead is kind of a form of play and just say okay, let's see what this what this is. Let's see what's here yeah. that I'm missing and we can flip our perspective on that and turn that into something that's a little bit more useful. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you bring up a good point because the law of play, which is something anybody who, if you haven't listened to that one, go listen to that one. That's a great one. Not only will it inspire more fun and openness in your life, but like it's such a great law and it's such a great tool just to use in your life in so many applications. And I think when things don't go to plan, it is an opportunity to play. You're like, okay, well, you know, there's a point where, you know, you're just like, well, fuck it. <laughs> like, things are not working. So, you know what, I'm just going to like, and when you have nothing to lose and you try some things, that's often when the when the greatest things come out of it. And, and you know, that getting to that point of just like, fuck it. Like, fuck it. Let's just try some stuff. Because, like, I got nothing to lose anymore because yeah. clearly what I've been doing isn't working. So, you know, and, and I find for myself, a lot of times when my best self comes forth is when I abandon the plan. And I say, okay, well, you know what? The plan didn't work, so we're going to try something else. Yeah. And I don't think you shouldn't plan. Like, I don't think you should not plan. I still think you should plan. I I still think you should prepare. I still think, like, you know, law of discipline, you could say, the, the, the practice and putting things into motion is a good thing. Yeah. But, you know, understand that just because... You, you have discipline just because you plan, just because you prepare does not guarantee you the result. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It just don't do it because you're trying to guarantee a result. Do it yeah. because it sets you up to be at the best you can be when you get to where you need to be, whether it goes to plan or not. Yeah. Right. And the other thing I'll just say is that, you know, you talked about pleasure and pain being connected. Well, passion, from what I understand, is actually what it means is joy pain. It's the mm. pain, you know, it's, it's, it's pain and it's related to joy. Like you, you really can't have passion without pain. And, you know, um, you, you kind of like learn to embrace pain in a way in which it becomes your friend, not your enemy, you know? And I think the thing is, is like, you ever played paintball, for example? I actually haven't. You never have? I've okay. never played. Well, if you ever play, yeah. listen, the, anybody who hasn't played and anybody who has played, they know this. The first time you go out on the field, before you've ever been shot by a, by a paintball, you're like, you know it's going to hurt. And you don't know what it's going to hurt like. And it's a scary thing. And you're like, man, like, I don't want to get shot. You know, you just like, and then you do and it stings and it hurts, right? And if you get lit up, it really hurts, right? But there's a certain point, and I used to play paintball a lot and I got, I got past this point, where what happens is you get to the point where you don't fear the pain anymore. And then you start doing some really interesting stuff. Like you start to rush people in an unexpected way. Or you start to um, be more aggressive or um, just basically put yourself in more risky positions. But, you know, but you can change the dynamic of the game by being this kind of player, by being right. a, a force. But you have to get over that fear of pain. 
But the thing that makes paintball such an interesting sport is that the reality of getting lit up, the reality of getting, you know, in a painful situation. Yeah is there always. And I think life's a little bit like that, you know, when you're, when you're going for what you want that, you know, if you want to love somebody, you got to be willing to get heartbroken. You know, it's always, the pain is always right there with it and it's necessary. Yeah. It is. It's kind of what you were saying earlier about this thing of control, what we actually have control over and accepting that we don't have control over most things. Um, Because, like, if you think of any sport, like you just saying that, I'm like, yeah, you think of any sport, it doesn't exist without an opponent. Yeah. It just, it's just not, it doesn't happen. Even if the opponent is yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's like on the artistic side of things, particularly, like, especially if like you're a writer or a painter, it's like (laughs) you got the blank page or the blank canvas Yeah, and, you know, and, and it's this thing of coming up against yourself and seeing what comes out. But even on like the sort of the more obvious metaphor of a sport where it's like you have another opponent or there's another team that you're up against, it is necessary for the both of you in order for the game to happen. It's necessary. Otherwise, what are we even doing? Right. What are we even watching? What are, <laughs> there's, there's no game to be had yeah. unless there is an adversary. And I don't mean to say this in a sense of, like, of, of some sort of materialistic, um, very sort of brutal thing about life is just about competition or whatever. It's like it's, it's not because competition and collaboration or cooperation are again these are things that are sides of the same coin right like in in sports they are both competing and cooperating with each other because they've agreed to do this together yeah and there's certain <laughs> rules and you know and there's certain uh, agreements yeah, that are, that agreed are made, to which be made. make it sport yeah. you know like if you take fighting for example like a street fight or a literal like life and death fight versus a sport fight is very different, yeah. you know? Um, and there's certain rules that they abide by so that nobody dies, mm-hmm. right? So that they can still live to fight again. Yeah. Because in real war, in a real fight, you're not, it's not designed for someone to walk away. It's designed for one person to be dead. Yeah. Like if you go back in history b- before fighting was sport, you either you you either were the one who was victorious and you lived, or you were the one who was defeated and you died. Yeah. Or you were so brutally injured you weren't able to get back up, and, and you know your reparations to try and heal your body were severe. Mm-hmm. You know. So like, um, the, the, you know, I think when we're talking about things not going to plan, when it's a life or death situation, obviously, you know. Um, if you're in that situation, there is a certain kind of um, risk that you don't want to take. You know, like, um, I'm just going to kind of go off on a tangent here for a second. Yeah, okay. Military, like uh, elite soldiers, you know, special operations, this type of thing. They, they like, failure is not an option, right? Like, that's kind of the way in which they, they're not competing. That's not about a competition. That's yeah. about dominance. That is about... At, that is about um, execution. That's about like getting it right because life is on the line, and uh, maybe the consequences of failure lead to 
drastic negatives, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But when we're talking about art and we're talking about sport, um, it is an arena of play. It's an arena of where things don't have to go to plan. Failure is an option. In fact, it's actually embraced upon, right? So I think when, when things don't go to plan, you don't have to experience it like it's life or death. You can experience yeah. it like, okay, this is an opportunity to learn and grow and change and evolve and, and adapt and do something different. And by the way, some of the best acting I've ever seen um, and the best actors, the best performances were from weaker characters that lose. Yeah. You know what I mean? That they go in with all intent to win and they don't. Like, like look at Godfather. I mean, look at, look at the brother, right? Yeah. Like, what an incredible character. You know, or even like the the, it's kind of a cliche, but the story of Rocky. Right. You know, he loses at the end of that. Spoiler alert, I guess, <laughs> if you haven't seen Rocky, <laughs> get on it. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter, even if you know. Yeah, but I mean, it's like you know, there's there's loads of these stories about you know the people who who just played the game and they played it with honor and they played it with heart. Yeah. You know, and and that being of greater value than you know, who won or lost right. at the end of it all because it was like, I guess the story of Rocky is he lost the fight, but he he won in his life in some in some way, right? Well, the movie but, Braveheart, for example, you know, that won so many Oscars. I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, it wasn't about, you know, like obviously like it wasn't about, I mean, sure, you can talk about the accuracy of the story and whatever, but like it wasn't about as much about him living as it was about him making a point of like freedom, you know, and yeah, that, you know, yeah. um, and that's actually that is something that crossed my mind a little while ago. One of uh, my favorite sort of people out there these days, Simon Sinek, he talks about this thing called the infinite game, and he also talks about having. He talks about having, not a wor- I think it's something like a worthy rival, but it's he talks about the importance of having a rival, and not in the sense of like maliciously trying to undermine this other person, but that your rival should be somebody who does something that's kind of the same as you, but who is better than you in many ways. Mm. That that is so important to have in, in your life. And it's a thing of having a respect for that, that person or that organization, whatever it is. And, you know, I can really, I can really give testament to this because, I mean, I remember like the best acting program that I was ever in, you know, there was, there was like 30 of us in this classroom and it was such an incredible atmosphere of everybody truly caring and appreciating each other and all of us pushing each other. We would see somebody get up on stage and do their work. And it was so amazing, you know, and we would just go, oh man, like, I, like, I want to, I want to be at that level. Mm -hmm. And just everybody, it's, it seemed on like every single day, everybody was getting better. Everybody was just going beyond what they had done before. Mm -hmm. So we were all pushing each other. So in many ways we were all rivals, I guess, in a way, because we all wanted to be doing something that someone else was doing. We all want to be in a similar kind of place. But 
what ended up happening was we, we were all inspiring each other. You mm-hmm. know, it was just like then you did something and someone else was just like, man, that was like what you just did. Oh, that was <laughs> like and and what's bizarrely funny about that whole situation is that oftentimes it didn't feel like you were doing anything. Mm. You know, like you were just kind of showing up as as best as you could. And it it really resonated with someone. It really touched somebody. And the, another thing you don't have control over. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, like it's Yeah, I mean it's you know, I think the thing is is if things always went to plan, if things always go to plan, you'll never really grow and change. You know, you'll yeah. just kind of continue to do as you do. And you know, I don't think any of us should be under the assumption that the way that we do life is somehow the way, like it's somehow accurate, like it's somehow the best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all these things that don't go to plan is kind of a wake up to say like, hey, well, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't have it all together. And maybe that's okay. Like maybe this yeah. is an opportunity to figure something out, to learn something, to find out about myself, you know? Um, so I, I think, you know, when things don't go to plan, when, when the plan goes out the window, you know, you don't have to go out there with it. You know, you, you are still here mm-hmm. and now you're in a new situation. So just adapt, like just, just yeah. go and, and think about it and go, okay, well, this is what happened. This is where I'm at. This is what I can do. And, uh, you know, I would also say like the power of perspective is just, it's your most powerful tool as a human being is your ability to look at something differently. Mm-hmm. And I, m- my biggest thing that I encourage myself and I encourage any client I ever work with or whatever is start looking at things differently. If, it, if they're not working for you, look at them differently. Like look at pain as a gift and don't look at it as like, I want more pain, but look at it like, okay, well, what is pain teaching me? What is it giving me the opportunity of, you mm-hmm. know, if things don't work out, look at that as a gift, try and see the benefit of it. Try and change your perspective around it. Because I really only believe that there's two roles you get to play in life. At the end of the day, there's only one of two. You either play the victim or you play the champion. Mm. And you get to choose every day and every moment and every beat. And every time the plan goes out the window, if you choose victim, that's your fucking problem. Bottom line, in my opinion, yeah. that's it. You know, and be the champion of it. Like, get, be the person that gets back up. You got knocked down, get back up and go at it again and look at it and learn from it. Yeah. And, and recognize that something went wrong and this is a chance for you to be better. Just change your view on it. That's what I say. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because I think that we all, at different moments, we, we play both of those roles. Yes. You know, it's not just about, you know, I'm victim yes, all the time exactly. or I'm champion all the time. You know, like we go through ups and downs in our lives. And I know that definitely I go through things just like, and it's catching yourself sometimes just like, oh, wow, like I am, I am victimizing myself. I'm making myself a victim to this and I'm not making creative choices, you know? And, and so there's, yeah, like there's going to be that movement that happens. And ideally what we want to try and do is play, play the champion more than we play (laughs) the victim. But in those moments where we find ourselves playing the victim, with the self-awareness that that's what's happening, that's the moment that we actually start to become champions. Yes. You know, which is kind of the, the crazy part about the whole thing. Well, I think awareness, like recognizing yourself in your moment of, 
you know, in your moment of victimhood, you know, in your moment of being the victim and saying, life is hard and this isn't fair. That's victim, right? So, you know, catching yourself and going, okay, I'm, I'm playing the victim right now. You know, what is that doing for you? What, what is that doing for me if, you, if you're doing that, right? I, I think that most of the time we go for victim because it allows us to stay the same and it allows us to get something um, kind of unearned, you know, that's like sympathy or, you know, um, comfort or, you know, whatever. And it gives us a temporary, like immediate, usually good thing. But it has it comes with a cost mm-hmm. and on the back end, and you have to pay for it later. But you don't always see the cost on the back end, and that's why you would choose it. Yeah. The champion, you know, uh, you bump your knee, you hurt yourself, you do whatever you do, and everyone's like, "Oh, are you okay?" And you're, and, and the champion goes, "Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I can I can get past this. I can walk it off. I can deal with it." It doesn't get the, "Oh, you know, let me nurse you back to health. Let me comfort you. Let me hold you." But the champion carries on, but you know. You, you did. You bumped yourself. You scraped yourself. You, you, you figuratively, whatever, hurt yourself in some way. But, you know, you kind of got to ask yourself, like, is this going to stop me? Do I want to stop and let everyone surround me and just go, are you okay? Or do I want to be like, okay, whatever. Like, this is temporary. This pain is temporary. I'm going to carry on and walk it off. But it's not necessarily a victim if you stop and get care. And I want to make that point. Sometimes you're going to, you're going to eat it, you know, in life. And I'm not just talking about physically fall. I'm talking about, you're just going to, you're going to get buried. Things are going to happen. And that's a time sometimes where you need your friends and family and people around to say like, Hey, like we're here for you. We got you. We're going to mend you back to health because literally in, you just can't get up and go and carry on in life because it was too devastating. Mm -hmm. And that's a time where you need to be mindful enough to go the champion isn't the person that carries on, but the person that accepts friendship and love and the community they built around themselves. Um, so, you know, but that's for each and every person to decide. And I think that's where it gets a little complicated. It's not always black and white. The victim is not always doing the same behavior and the champion is not always doing the same behavior. And I think you pointed out the most important thing. You're not just a champion or a victim. You're a champion in some areas of your life and you're a victim in others. And really, you just want to root out the areas where you're a victim, in my opinion. Just mm-hmm. root them out. Catch yourself in them because you're probably a champion in many areas. And, and there's just these one or two or few little areas where you let yourself be the victim and it lets you down time after time again. And it keeps you stuck. And that's the thing you got to, that's the thing you got to tackle. That's the thing you got to change. And when the plan goes out the window, that's probably a moment for you to identify your victimhood. That's, that's like some, just like good, like nuts and bolts right there, friend. (laughs) That's all I got. You know, Um, you want to talk about this brew? Yeah, let's do a, let's do a quick chat about this brew again. Uh, We're not, we're not sponsored by uh, anybody here. No, Um, we just, uh, we have a brew. The story is if this is your first podcast, with us. We, we have a brew every podcast because Evan and I, um, as artists, we'd get together and we'd chat and we started having a beer as we would chat and these conversations were really great. So we kept the tradition of having a beer on the podcast and we like kind of supporting craft brews and we think they're kind of an art in, in and of themselves. And so we have a new and different one on every cast we do. Yeah. Yeah. So this one, I mean, you picked, you picked it out today yeah so this is this is from fernie brewing company here in beautiful british columbia and this is called java the hut and it's a coffee milk stout smooth dark and creamy 
definitely is smooth, dark, and creamy. It it is all of those things, and definitely <laughs> it's it's got that coffee coffee hit to it. Um, you know, again, it's like it's that time of year where uh, where it's it's dark beer drinking time again. Yeah, I don't often go for them, but um, I always I usually enjoy them. So I don't know why. Yeah, I I, them, for but. me the the dark beers tend to be a fall winter kind of beer. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd probably I'm probably not on my own on that. But yeah, like you know, it's been a little chilly here in, in our city, and I don't know, just the, the dark and creamy and smooth kind of like beer just sounded like the right feel for today. So. Yeah, yeah, it's just like it it tastes like spices and you know like <laughs> I don't know there's just something that just it's very appropriate for the changing the changing of the seasons and the cooler weather so yeah it's been a good yeah, one. it's been good it's been good smooth easy smooth and easy too in its own way yeah all right so, so um let's wrap this baby up yes yeah, yes yeah. talk about this what, so, what do we what do we come to here what do we come to here well I mean I don't know I I, I really want to just bring this this thing up because Partially because it was something that has has come up for me, and uh, just to talk that through and, and some of those discoveries, and also just open up that to to our audience here, just to think about these things about when when the plan goes out the window, how do we respond? What does that tell us when when things completely go out the window and and for me, I mean, I think we came to this fairly early on, but but really, it's it is that opportunity to learn and to grow. Um, it's a reminder that, hey, look, ultimately things change. We don't have ultimate control over things. I mean, we've <laughs> history, if anything, has shown us change, and. There have been, uh, you know, tyrants and all kinds of different like world powers and leaders and whatever who have had incredible power and ability to try and control and to, you know, oppress and all of these different things. And it all ultimately breaks down, mm -hmm. you know, like it, it, no one on in the history of this earth has ever had the ability to control things ultimately and so that should t that should say something to us and for us to look at our need to control and how we try to control and that essentially we can have our plans and that that's great but that there's always some at some point where the plan has to be let go of. And I think it's easier if we consciously do that as opposed to waiting for the plan to go to shit. Right. Right. Like of and this is something again, this is, you know, a weird sort of thing that actors learn or at least if I think if actors have had any sort of good teachers which is that you can have prepared as much this part as, as you, you know, at home, you know, and, and writing and, and doing whatever kind of work that you have. You can do as much of that as you can, and that's great. 
but ultimately you have to let it all go because when it comes to the moment you have to respond to what's happening right in front of you and that's not always going to fit with the plan or the plan's not always going to fit with that yeah and that's when you just need to respond and it's better that you just come in with just like i'm just going to respond with what happens and you and you trust that all of that work that you've done all of that planning the places where it's going to work the places where where the plan is going to fit it will fit and that the rest is going to be on your ability to respond and your ability to respond through actually really paying attention is going to be enough it will resolve the holes <laughs> in the plan so yeah I'll, that's yeah. what i that's that i'll leave it there for yeah, me. well you left it in a good spot i mean that that i i totally agree with you i think that you plan and you strategize and you do all this because by doing that, you will probably fill in most of the gaps. You probably put most of it together. You'll have but a good I foundation. Think, yeah. But I think that you have to kind of be prepared that you won't always put it all together. And there'll be missing pieces and there'll be parts. You know, I think from, from being somebody who kind of started their career out of being like basically an independent, you know, filmmaker, somebody who didn't necessarily have the means and the budget or support or anything, um, basically making films for me was, you just did your best, man. I mean, you, you, you were throwing it together as you best you could, you know, you, if you had a location available, you used it as an opportunity. If, um, there wasn't a lot of room to prepare, there wasn't a lot of money to prepare. And, uh, you know, um, when you're young and you don't like own any property or have a lot of connections or you're new to a city or whatever, like you kind of just have to do your best. And, and, and when an opportunity comes, you kind of jump on it. Um, so the best planning you could do was to be open enough to jump on an opportunity when it became available. Um, as you progress, you know, and I've dealt with higher budgets and bigger things, you spend more of that money on your planning and strategizing and, and putting the people together to assure that certain things will happen. Um, but, you know, there's always going to be a certain percentage of things that just don't go to plan. The weather changes, an uh, actor shows up late to set or not at all. Um, certain things just happen and then you have to deal with it. So um, if you want to take it maybe from the artistic perspective of a filmmaker plan for things to go wrong yeah if you like planning plan for things to go wrong just incorporate that into your plan yeah you know there's a thing i always do and most filmmakers who are worth their salt will do it as well you know or producers is you you create a contingency reserve fund put a little money aside for when things don't go to plan um and give yourself that buffer give yourself a little room mm -hmm. and you know, all I could really say is that when the plan goes out the window is that that's your moment. You know, that's your moment to to really see how present you are, to really see how much of a champion you are, to see what you can make of it. You know, because, you know, a lot of life is not going to go to plan. Yeah. I'm just, I hate to break it to you. <laughs> just a lot of things are not going to go to plan. Yeah. So if you're willing to do life and play it full then you better be willing to plan for things to go wrong and or things to not go to plan at least. Yeah. And uh, I think you'll be all right, you know. Go back to the law of presence. Go back to the law of play. That's my recommendation. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. it's not always a bad thing. Yeah. The best things often come from things not going to plan.
Thanks for listening to the show. If you got something out of this, if you feel it improved your life or your journey in any way, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode. You can also support us on Patreon, where we have tons of great bonuses. You are the ones that make the show possible and help us to thrive. Thank you for joining us.